Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Before I get into the heart of this episode, I would just like to remind you of our sponsor, me, myself, and I. The website, bradleylaird.com, which I operate, is loaded up with lots of free instructional materials for all of you would-be bluegrass players, and uh, whether you're a beginner or an intermediate, and some of the material, you might even consider yourself advanced. For example, you might be a very advanced player in terms of your dexterity and skill, but you might have some weaknesses perhaps in music theory or something like that. So there's a lot of stuff over there. I'm not going to sit here and plug all the products, but I would just like to remind you that this podcast is really an extension of my website. So, you know, most of the topics that I talk about are designed to enhance and give additional information to the general topics of learning how to play a bluegrass instrument. So anyway, just reminding you of our sponsor, me, myself, and I, over at bradleylaird.com. All right, now we're going to talk about a subject that I've been talking about since I first really got into this stuff. It's in 1975. In 75, my brother was a senior in high school, and I was two years younger. We were both in the band in school. I played the French horn. He played the trombone. Well, he was, you know, at the time, you know, he was about to graduate, so he was going to go to college and study music and all this sort of thing. And I had just been bitten by the bluegrass bug, which I've talked about multiple times back in a number of episodes about how I got started and so forth. But my brother and I had... While we had very little in common musically, we did, if we were sitting in a band, I'm playing the French horn, he's playing the trombone, we had that in common and very, you know, identical musical upbringing. But where we differed was what kind of music we liked. Once I found bluegrass, I was just consumed with it. I just thought it was the greatest thing I had ever heard. And that's all I wanted to do from that point forward. My brother, on the other hand, I, I, you know, I played some of this stuff for him and it, I, I could tell it just didn't take root. He was not that interested. He was kind of curious about it, but I could tell he had no desire to play it. And I suspect that came from the fact that he was primarily a trombone player. You know, and you don't see a lot of trombones in bluegrass. But I would make the case that, hey, I'm a French horn player and you don't see any French horns either. You know, I'm going to learn to play the banjo. I'm going to learn to play the guitar. I'm going to, and I started trying all this stuff. But, you know, the bottom line was that wasn't his thing. He wasn't into that. He was, on the other hand, very excited by bands like Chicago, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Basically, any band, any, any commercial rock band that had a horn section, you know, sax player, trombone, trumpet, you know, 
And hey, I like that stuff. I really love to hear a good horn section. Or I love a band with a horn section. That's what he wanted to do. He saw those bands. And he used to go to concerts and stuff, you know, at, up at Georgia Tech and the Omni and places like that in Atlanta when he was in high school. And he would see these bands. And if he saw a band with a horn section, you know, that became his dream. You know, that probably, you know, a hundred thousand other trombone playing high school band members, you know, were like, man, if I could just be in a band like Chicago, you know. That would be so cool, you know, so that's, that's, that's where he was. That was where his compass needle pointed. Mine pointed somewhere else. It pointed to Rosine, Kentucky and everything else that surrounds bluegrass. But as he got started into this, when he was in high school, when he was a senior and, you know, during a year or two after that, when he was over at college and by the time I became a senior, we used to have these long discussions about, you know, he's trying to get in a band. And so was I at that time. You know, I'm trying to, like, do the same thing he's trying to do, which is get more involved in the music and ultimately be in a band playing this kind of music we like. Now, his was different than mine, but he would talk to me about how, you know, him and a buddy of his, uh, you know, went to this audition. You know, they were answered an ad in the paper, you know, horn players want it or something. And, you know, go to this room and play scales and stuff. And, you know, just nothing came of it, though. Once in a while, there was a, a band or something that did get put together, but nothing real ever happened. And so he continued on through college in the college orchestra program. And, you know, and he was working on all these, um, he used to have these, uh, these play along record albums. They were record albums that are basically jam tracks, but it was all jazz and stuff. Jamie Abersold, that they're still selling that stuff where, you know, you learn to do, uh, you know, you can practice improvising, you know, blues and B flat and stuff. And by the way, those Abersol recordings are, there's some really good stuff. Ron Carter uh, played the bass on a lot of that stuff. They, they really lined up some first class musicians to play these tracks. And I've even, you know, I still have a couple of those records and have, you know, sat around trying to learn how to improvise mostly on mandolin along with those very same jazz improv tracks. But they were quite frankly, pretty confusing to me. And I wasn't really into it, you know. Now, a bluegrass jam track, that's a different story. And he wouldn't be into that. I tried my best to get my brother. You know, it, it'd be, he, he took up playing the electric bass, too, when he was in high school. And, you know, he's playing in the jazz combo at college and stuff. I don't mean to sit here and bore you with all our stories, but here's the thing that kept coming up over and over and over is that, we noticed that when you went to see bands playing and stuff like this, you know, all these guys knew each other. It wasn't always just guys, but I'm going to say guys. All these musicians knew each other, but they didn't know us. You know, we didn't know these people. So how do you get, we used to call it becoming in. I-N. How do you get in? How do you get to the point where you're in? We were out back then we were out and you know, what do you have to do 
in order to become one of that in crowd. So before, before I get too deep into uh, some of what we talked about and that I've thought about over, God, now 40 years, is that the first thing is to go from being on the out, <laughs> you know, you're not in it, you're not in this thing. Um, to go from that to being in is a long-term project. Don't expect it to happen overnight. Okay, so that's the first thing. Just get that out of the way. But let's talk about, before we talk about, you know, being in. Let me, let me tell you about what being in means as a musician. And I don't care if it's bluegrass or jazz or classical you name the style. And in fact, it doesn't even have to be music. This could apply to things outside of music. Um, but I'm going to keep it, keep it here to music. Let's say that you are in, like we, like we noticed that there were certain, like, go see this band and there's a guy up there playing bass with them and go see this other band and you see the same guy playing bass with them. I remember going to see this mandolin player or going to see a bluegrass band in Atlanta one time. And they had this mandolin player, kind of tall guy with glasses, good mandolin player. I'm watching him play. And then about three months later, I was up in Chattanooga, which is a good distance away from Atlanta, hundred miles or so. Going to this little place, mandolin player, the same guy. He's playing with different bands in different towns. And I'm like, how do you know, how do you become one of those people? Because all I wanted to do was play music, be in a bluegrass band. That's all I wanted to do. He wanted, my brother wanted the same thing, just different style of music. But you don't know anybody. That's, that's your biggest problem. And you may or may not have the skills required. But let's just say you're on the inside. You are now in that in crowd. And you've, you know, even if you're a beginner and you've gone to, you know, maybe there's a place in town where, or, you know, near where you are that has, uh, you know, some bands playing and jam sessions and stuff like that. If you've gone, even if it was your first time, you notice people that seem to be in. They, they, it's like everybody knows them or, you know, you don't know them, but it seems like everybody knows them. You know, they're, they're talking with other people, they're playing. You, and certainly if you go to a professional concert, festival, something like that, you can pretty much be assured that everyone you see on stage is in that in crowd and you're not in that crowd. So that's a universal problem for all musicians. If you want to do it, you have to be in, in that crowd. And what does it mean to be in? I'll give you some examples. And, and by the way, there are different levels of this. You could be in at a very, um, well, and, and I don't mean one is better than the other, but they're just different. You could be in on the local jamming scene. You could be in that, or you could be out. If you're out, well, let me stick with being in first so I don't confuse myself too bad. If you're in and somebody is having a jam session, they call you and they tell you about it and they invite you to come. You're in. 
you are invited to come to this jam session. On the other hand, if you're not in, you hear about the jam later. And they, they always tell you how great it was. And, but uh, nobody ever bothered to call you, you know, because you're not in. You want to be in. If you're going to participate in this thing called bluegrass, you need to get in. So that's just on a, on a local jam session. You know, how, how do you feel when you hear about the jam later and, and, and nobody called you? Huh, gee, thanks. Well, it's just you're not in yet. It's nothing personal. It, it doesn't mean they don't like you. It's just they didn't think of you. Okay? Because you're not in. You're not in their little mental Rolodex. Here's another one. If you're in, you may get a phone call, somebody asking you to fill in with their band at a, at a gig. Hey, we need a mound player. Hey, can you come play bass with us Thursday night? You get that call. Well, when you get a call like that, it says you're in. You're, you're in a certain circle at that point. If you're not in, phone don't ring. You don't get the call. If you're in, you may be asked to join or form a band. If you're not in, if you're out, nobody's going to ask you to do anything. They're certainly not going to suggest, hey, man, we ought to, we ought to, we, if we could find us a bass player and a banjo player, we could, we could start up a little band. What do you think of that? See, if somebody's talking like that to you, you're in. You're in some circle. I'm not saying you're in the ultimate circle because there's a lot of different overlapping concentric circles and in a 3D way of looking at it, you know, hierarchically stacked. There's a whole lot of circles and you might call them spheres that you can get into, which I'll talk more about that in a minute. If you're in, you might get a call and it's actually a paying gig. You know, maybe you got a band and the phone rings and somebody wants to hire you. Hey, you're in. You have made it in to that, that sphere of influence where people are hiring bands. You know, a, a local club may call you up and say, hey, we had this band book from Asheville and they canceled at the last minute. Can y'all play? And it's tonight. If you get that call, you are in. If you are out, you will not get that call. Maybe you get a call like this. Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing some recording down at XYZ Studio and wanting to find somebody that can lay down some banjo on this track I'm doing. Would, you know, would you be available to do that? So you, get, you might get called to do some studio recording. If you're not in, once again, the phone just doesn't ring. It's very isolating to be on the outside of all these various circles. And frankly, it's no fun at all. We didn't, I'm sure you didn't, I know I didn't, get into bluegrass to sit home alone doing nothing. I can only assume that you want to be jamming, going to festivals, being asked to do things, being asked to be in a band perhaps. Maybe you're, you don't want to be in a band at this point. That's okay. But wouldn't you like to be asked, you know? Or if you have put together a band, wouldn't you like to be asked to perform somewhere? You know? If your sights are set much higher, how do you get that call from someone like Ricky Skaggs? 
saying, you know, I need a guitar player. How do you get that call? Well, you have to be in with Ricky Skaggs and or that circle he runs in. You, you follow what I'm saying? So there are different sorts of in groups, circles that you can be in. But the worst thing you can do is just be out. And everybody starts on the out. Unless maybe, let's take the example of James Monroe. Bill Monroe's son, James. James was already in the bluegrass world simply by being the son of Bill Monroe. He already had some qualifications, you might say. All he had to do was say, my daddy's Bill Monroe, and, you know, he would be known. And he got roped in, uh, willingly, I presume, to be the bass player for Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, and he did not know how to play a bass. But he was in because of family connections, because of relations. So there, there are a number of ways you can be in um, and maybe not, and it may not be just musical skills. I'm sure there were plenty of other bass players. Well, I know there were plenty of other bass players that could have outplayed James on his first gig with the Bluegrass Boys. But he was in enough to, you know, get the call, so to speak. So it's not, what I'm saying is it's not all music, but it is about connections. And before I talk about what you need to become in, I want to make this point. Who you are in with counts a lot. It means a lot who you are, which, you know, um, which sphere or circle you are known to be in with. You know, if you're a beginner, you just started out, you, you know, three chords on the mandolin, and you can sing a couple of tunes, and you're not, you don't know where any jams are, never been to a festival, you know, it's where everyone starts, with the exception of somebody like James Monroe. That's where everybody starts. You're not in anything. You haven't even signed up to subscribe to Bluegrass Unlimited, you know. So you're completely on the outside, but what are you going to get into? Is it going to be jam sessions? That's probably a it's probably the best place to start. Or it could be lessons, you know, you can just look in a phone book and find a teacher. Go online, find a teacher. It's not hard. You can buy your way in to the circle of teacher student. You know, you can go buy some of my videos. And I encourage you to do so. And I accept everyone. You know, you're instantly in. Just pull out that uh, credit card, you know, and spend the eight bucks on the video. So I'm not talking about purchasing your way in. You have to be asked in. But you first have to know about it. But who you associate with affects you. It affects how you're viewed. For example... Let's take a person that's been playing three or four years. They got, you know, they're pretty good. And I see them around town here and there playing with his band. And they're they're always playing these little funky gigs. 
And I talked to them and say, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, uh, they feeding you good. Oh no, they, uh, we're just having, you know, we got to pay like everybody else. I'm like, well, what's this gig pay? Oh, we're just doing it. We're just, it's a benefit. We're just doing it for nothing, you know, for exposure. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, I don't want to be known as that guy, you know, because here's what'll happen. You start getting a reputation as being willing to play for nothing. And you'll get a lot of calls because you're now in that crowd in some people's mind of people who will do that. And there's a market for it. If you want to call it a market, even though no money ever changes hands, I guess there's a market in terms of barter. You get to play. That's your pay. And you know, they get the performance. That's their pay. Um, but you know, when you see, when you see somebody like, like Ricky Skaggs performing somewhere and you're looking up there and maybe the banjo player, you don't recognize, you've never seen him, don't know who he is. And he introduces him, never heard the name before. And he's really good. Well, how did he get called to do that? That's at the way other end of this scale. How did he get that call? Well, he worked at it and there's a whole bunch of requirements that if you're going to be in at any level, of in this, whatever level it is, there are certain requirements that must be met. Number one, you must have useful skills, useful to others. For example, it doesn't matter how good of an accordion player I am. If I'm trying to get a gig in a bluegrass band, I'm probably not going to get to call. Or let's, let's pick something even stranger. Maybe I'm a great organist. Well, the typical bluegrass man is not looking for an organist. So you need useful skills that are useful to others. You know, on the other hand, if you're a really good fiddle player, uh, you're a lot more useful to a typical bluegrass configuration. The skills are big. You know, it's like Napoleon Dynamite. I, you know, girls like guys with skills. What kind of skills? Like bow hunting skills, nunchuck skills, skills, skills. You got to have some skills. However, the, how high, how highly developed your skills are only needs to be to the level that it is desired by the group or circle you're attempting to gain entry to. In other words, to, or for example, I should say, to be accepted into a slow jam for beginners, the skill requirements are not very high. You know, you could watch one five minute video of mine, one of my free videos and you'd be qualified. That's it. Tune and you know, a couple chords. That's all it is. So you have sufficient skills for that. You do not, on the other hand, have sufficient skills to be, you know, asked to, fill in for, you know, uh, Chris Thiele because <laughs> he's, he's got the croup or something and he can't make this, this gig. You know, you need a whole lot more skills to pull that off, but it's a fact you do need skills and you need skills that are useful to others. Number two, you have to be known because if they don't know, you could have all the skills in the world. And nobody knows who you are 
where you live. They don't even know that you exist. You're not going to get the call. You're not going to be in. And there are a lot of people like that. You know that? There are a lot of unknowns who are really good musicians. Maybe they're just, they may be known in one circle, but they're just not known in a different circle, in a larger circle, or in a, or in a circle up in around Virginia. Or, you know, you could take a great bluegrass musician who has been doing it for 10 years and is super incredibly good, and he could wander out to Colorado and be completely unknown, and vice versa. Now, I don't think it would take too long if he goes to some jams to demonstrate the skills that he has and therefore become known. However, being known is more than just someone seeing you play. It's got to be the right people. You know, some drunk at the bar who thinks you play pretty good, I don't think he's the crowd you're trying to get into. You need... You need the band whose banjo player is leaving in three months to go back to art school or something, and they're going to be looking for a banjo player, and you're a banjo player. That's the that's who needs to know you. So you got to you got to insert yourself into the circles in which you want to be active. Okay. Now, how do you get known? The number one thing, absolutely above all else is you must be where it is happening or where they are. You've got to go to them. They're not going to come to you. You know, you could, if you have dreams of, you know, being on the Grand Ole Opry and you're sitting down in Louisiana somewhere, you ain't ever going to go. The, you need to go to Nashville. You know, if you, it, I'm sure it's much easier if you're at least there, you know, you want to uh you want to be in Ricky Skagg's band? Well, you're going to have to put yourself near and around Ricky Skaggs or people who know him. You know, you can't sit over there in a in a hut in Nepal and expect Ricky to just, you know, psychically come up with your your email address and send you a note or something, you know. You got to put yourself in where you want to be in. So if you're a jammer, you got to start going to jam sessions. If they have a little local bluegrass association that meets, you should go. You're never going to become in if you don't go. You have to go. You have to be there. You have to be careful that you don't become a pest. You're going to have to introduce yourself to people. And remember that, I would say most people, what I'm about to say, they already know this. But, the point of the introduction is twofold. It's to let someone else know who you are and, and what, what it is you, you're wanting to do and what your skills you have and stuff. But it's also to find out who they are. Because if you're not in that circle, you may not really know them that well. You may know them, well, that guy's a great mandolin player, but do you know, does he have a day job? Does he do this professionally? Does he teach lessons during the week? What is what, Does he play in three bands? How long has he been in this band? Part of, you know, introductions is getting to know people. That means they get to know you and you get to know them. You know, it really is. I talked about this a little bit in that 
uh, that episode about we are, everybody is selling, you're selling yourself here. But you're also buying, you're also shopping. Because you don't want to be in everybody's band. And you can't, you can't be in everybody's band. And you want to be in the kind of band or jam that, you know, that's the one you really want to. Here's a, a fact about musicians that I, I, I don't know if people stop and think about this very often, but probably 999 out of every 1,000 musicians, 999 of them are not at present doing the exact thing they would like to be doing with their music. You're a songwriter, but you haven't had a hit. You're a banjo player, but you're not in a band. I mean, this could, we could go on and on and on because it goes even up to the higher levels. People that you think are doing very well in the music, they've still got a laundry list of things they wish they could do. And, you know, the majority of the people in the, in the music world aren't doing the thing that they wish they were doing. That's not to say they don't have a good time and they don't do a lot of things, but there's always something else. You, you find a lot of, you know, everybody is climbing some invisible ladder all the time. Now, some people don't. Some people are just like, oh, I go down there on Tuesday night, and I play and I drink one beer and then I go home and I'm fine. Okay, he's happy with what he's doing. Most people aren't like that. Most of them are belly aching about, oh, you know, but he played every, every song he played tonight was in the key of G, dadgummit. And I, I suggested Sally Good, and they didn't even know the chords to it. So, well, if he'd had his perfect world, you know, they would have known the chords to it. You know what I'm saying? On any level, anywhere throughout the whole hierarchy of the music world, there are people looking for the next better thing. Next thing on how to be known is you've got to be friendly. You don't have to be over the top, but you have to be approachable and you have to approach. You've got to learn the art of conversation. You're going to waste a lot of time with conversations with when you realize this person is you know, not really going to help me along, but you don't know. He may be the, the knucklehead brother of this really good mandolin player who's got a band who just happens to be looking for a bass player. But this brother that you're standing there talking to, he's a little dense and he's not a musician and he's just, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't know is what I'm saying because you're not in yet. You don't know that's that guy's brother. You follow me? Or it could be his best friend or their greatest fan. We used to have this guy that followed us around to gigs all the time. I mean, if we had a public gig, this joker was there. He was our number one fan. He was the only fan at times. <laughs> he would come. He would videotape our shows. He, he was just eaten up with our band. But you know what? That guy who could be a bit of a pest sometimes, a lot of times actually, we got to know very, very well. And it was that guy who introduced our band to Doc Watson because he just took it upon himself to meet Doc Watson. 
and got to be friends with him and used to go up to his house and stuff. So you just never know is what I'm saying. You got to maintain friendly contact with a lot of people and start building that little database in your mind of who's who and what's what. And I don't, I don't mean to say that you should always be thinking, because what could that guy do for me? I mean, that is important because everything's a transaction. But you also have to be thinking, what could I do for that? What could I do for them? I mean, if you're a fiddle player and you're watching this band on stage who doesn't have a fiddle, you could be the fiddle player, you know? So it's you're giving to them and they would be giving to you a slot in the band, possibly. The next thing is you have to let your desires be known. Ask and ye shall receive. Now, if if that's all you do is ask, you know, you're going to come off like a bad used car salesman. You have to be, you know, careful about it. That, that you don't want someone to see you as, hey, it's this guy I just blew into town and I need a gig. I need a gig like right now. Can you help me out? You know, you don't want to be that guy. Um, but if you don't let people know that you're interested in certain things, how, how are they to know? They can't read your mind, you know. If Let's say you there's a weekly jam session, and you go to it week after week, and, we, and there was a jam session like this in Atlanta every Thursday night at the Red Light Cafe. They probably still do it. Two-hour jam followed by a band performing. So there were a lot of bands coming in and out of there, and there was a lot of jamming going on. So sometimes you'd be jamming, and you might actually be jamming with some of the members of the band that is about to go on stage because they always encourage the bands to, you know, get into the jam too. That's part of the, the deal at the red light. If we were playing there, we would jam. And sometimes not all of us could, but, you know, the band would be jamming. Well, you don't know that. You walk in, you're jamming with somebody who's yeah, a really great guitar player and sings pretty good. And it doesn't even dawn on you until you see him on stage later. Man, that dude's in that band. Man, I should have I, I introduced myself. I should have gotten his phone number, blah, blah, blah. Don't be the person that sits around going, man, I wish I'd, I should have, I'd, if, if I'd only done, don't be that. Just do it. Be friendly. Let people know what it is you're looking for and let them know what you can do. You know, it's, it's no problem. Even if you're talking to another Dobro player, you're a Dobro player, they're a Dobro player and you're talking and you say, man, I've been playing with these guys at this thing and, you know, I, I really want to be playing more. I would like to find, you know, a pretty good group that I could play with. And if you ever hear of anybody looking for a Dobro player, because probably people probably call you because you're a good Dobro player. You probably, you know, get calls every now and then. Or if, you know, if you ever hear of any, anything, just give me a call. By the way, here's my number, you know. Print you up some little business cards. And I suggest that you make your business cards so ultra simple. Name, phone number, email address. That's it. Don't put nothing else on it except, I mean, if you start putting on there, uh, bluegrass guitar, pedal steel, fiddle, blah. I mean, if you really, I suppose you could do that, but it starts looking like an advertisement. Just make it a, you could handwrite these. It might be, that might be a better way to do it. Handwrite, get you some cards and handwrite your name, 
and phone number and what instrument you play. You know, Brad Laird, my phone number, bass. And make about 10 of them. Stick them in your wallet. Just have them ready, you know, because you might not have a pencil handy. Look, here's the, here's the thing. If they don't have your number, they can't call you. So make it easy and get their number. Get their number. Touch base with them once in a while. You know, call them up three months later and say, hey, when are you guys going to play down at the red light again? You know, really enjoyed that show. It'd be good to be fun to pick with you again. If you behave that way with people, you begin to become in to their circles. But you got to let people know what, you know, what it is you're trying to do and, you know, ask for a little help. People don't mind. I, I love it when people ask me questions and I'll usually tell them, you know, straight up what I, you know, what I can or can't do. I'm not going to lie to people. Also, as you've got to make multiple interactions with people, the more interactions you have with someone, the more they get to know you and the more you get to know them. So you just don't want to come in there, you know, like present your resume to them. I mean, if you're in a big hurry, you know, you could do that. You're going to probably come off looking like a real idiot. These things take time. And for everything that a person learns about you, Try to learn two or three things about them. Make sure it's not a one-way street that you're just, you know, broadcasting your desires and needs to the world and please help me achieve my goals. That's not the way you should do this. Yes, you want to be doing that too. But the whole deal is a transaction. You got to find out about them and what they might need, or do they know someone who might need something? And for example, I might be talking and I'm thinking, you know, I really like to be playing bass more these days. I just, I would like to find a really good band and just play bass. That's what I want to do. And I get to talking with people and then I hear of this band who has a gig. I say, well, what's the deal with the gig? Oh, we're playing this, uh, you know, little uh, peanut brittle festival over in such and such. I'm like, really? Yeah, you know. And and by the way, they're looking they're looking for somebody to run sound. We we just started up last year. We don't have a PA or anything, and they're gonna have like a couple of people there. And I might go, hey, you know, I could do that. Who who, who do I contact? You know, and it might turn out that I end up running sound for this little festival for you know, 600 bucks or something for all day. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what could come up just by having these conversations and getting to know more and more people. And then, you know, that's how you get in. And by the way, of course, as you do this, you're trying to let them know a little of your history. You know, what kind of skills, like they might see you sitting there playing the banjo, but they may not know that you're also a really good bass player, but you just don't happen to bring it because you stopped by that jam on your way home from work and you, you, you don't want to take it to work with you. And there's another guy who tends to come and play bass all the time. So you don't horn in on it. So you just bring your banjo or like me, a, a few years ago, I took up the Dobro and I started going to this jam at this pizza place and I asked him, Hey, do you mind? You know, I'm just starting on this thing. Do you mind if I, you know, just play, you know, play some breaks on some stuff and try to, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And they're like, yeah, sure. Great. 
So I did that. Well, if somebody came in there and saw me playing, you know, after two or three of those nights, they're not, they wouldn't have been blown away by my dobro playing. And they wouldn't have known, you know, what sort of mandolin player or banjo player or guitar player or bass player that I, that I was because I wasn't advertising those skills. So it, what I'm saying is you need to let people know about the full, you know, width and depth of your skills and knowledge and so on. And look, there is no better way to do that than to be in a band. Because every time you're up there on stage doing your thing, other people, other musicians see you doing it and they go, that guy knows how to work a crowd. That guy sings good. That guy, you know, you know what I'm saying? You're sitting out in the audience and you notice things about the performers. I look at a band and I go, that guy and that guy, I could play with those guys. This one here, I don't know about. I'm not too sure about that one. You know what I'm saying? So that's a form of advertising. But you also got to press the flesh, shake hands, get to know people. And that's how you will gradually become in. And once you're in, you're like, wow, now I'm doing stuff. I'm, 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 you know, achieving some of my goals here because I've, you know, I figured out how to make the phone ring. You know, if the phone don't ring, you're just going to be sitting home lonesome and you're going to be miserable and everybody's going to be missing out on the wonderful musical creations that you, that you make. You don't, that music is about playing for other people. That's it. And yes, you know, you can be playing for yourself and there's nothing wrong with that. We all do that. But the greatest reward for music is to play for other people. We can't do that sitting around at home and you don't get many opportunities if the phone never rings, you know? And like I said in the How to Homebrew Your Own Jam session, sometimes you just have to take it upon yourself to just get the ball rolling on your own. You know, you've tried everything in the world to figure out how to finagle your way into a band and it's just not happening or it has happened, but it wasn't with the folks that you, you know, it wasn't really the thing you were into. Sometimes you just got to start your own thing and you be on the lookout for people who want to be in with you. You follow me? All right. Before I get too long-winded with this one, I'm going to go out of here with, I've been talking all about how do you become in? Oh, and by the way, just real quick, one of the ways that you can be in is to be involved with organizations. Like, there's a jam. Well, maybe you could help out the guy that puts on the jam. You know, is there anything I can do for you? You know, um... Find out. There might be, you know, a lot of times people don't come up and volunteer their services very often. Say, you know, even if it's just like they're breaking down at the end of the night, you, you want me to help you move these chairs, put these chairs away? You got to get to know the person and they're going to know, hey, this is a useful, helpful person, you know? It could be that simple. Or it could be a, a bluegrass organization like the Southeastern Bluegrass Association. Maybe you go to a few meetings, you know, and at the end of the meeting, most of the people bolt out the door. You might help them clean up. You might uh, offer to, to help them out with their newsletter, you know, stuffing flyers into the newsletter. They, these, these groups and stuff need volunteers, and that's a great way to meet people. So maybe, you know, maybe you don't, you're not trying to figure out how to be in Ricky Skaggs' band. Um, 
you know, because maybe you don't see that as a realistic goal for you, you know, that's okay. There are other ways you can participate. For example, being a volunteer at a big festival, a lot of these big festivals, there is a crew of volunteers who basically, you know, get to camp out and hang around there and they're in, but they're working for the, for the opportunity to be there. You know, they're the ones hauling off the trash and, you know, moving stuff around and, and setting up and, you know, that's some, that's being in and you get in with those crowds and and maybe that's your bag. You, you just enjoy that and jamming and hanging around the campsites. And so that's a circle you could potentially get into. There's the sound reinforcement thing. Maybe there's somebody running sound and you go to this thing and you're watching him. And at the end of the thing, he's tearing down all the gear all by himself and trying to heft those speakers in and, you strike up a conversation, lend the guy a hand. You don't want to over lend a hand because they know what they're doing. And, you know, you're dealing with other people's gear. But if, if you you can get to know those people and you might be there as a helper at the next gig, depending upon, you know, your skills. I mean, if you, and I've done that at, at at times because, you know, a couple people I knew knew that I knew some things about PAs and stuff. So I was a good guy to ask to help rather than somebody, you know, just out of the crowd that, you know, doesn't know one end of a microphone from the other. But what I'm saying is being in doesn't have to just be in the musical performancing, performing and playing world. It can also be the support roles and things like that. You know, so, you could get into those and you can be in multiple circles, you know, but let's talk about the flip side of this, how to, let's say you're making your way in and you're little by little becoming in with, I'm in with the jamming crowd. I'm in with the local band scene. I'm, our band is actually getting called once in a while to play at this place. And, you know, once I've, we've got a couple of agents in town that occasionally call us for a gig, you know, they got some convention going on this wastewater treatment plant operators convention. Uh, I mentioned that cause we Cedar Hill played the, uh, Georgia water and pollution control association convention a couple of times. All this, and you get the call. See, you're, you're working your way in, in, in. Well, you can reverse that process and be pushed out. How do you do it? I'll go through this real quick. Here's what you do if you want to be out. You know, you're making your way in and you're about to become out. Number one, be late. Even better, make it a habit to be late. Be habitually late. You go, you're going to be pushed out. Be unprepared. Oh, man, I didn't bring any spare strings. I forgot my capo. Ah, dadgummit, I left my strap at home. Or, oh, man, I don't know any of these songs y'all are playing. That's unprepared. You should have asked. You know, what are you going to do? I went to this gig one time. The guy, he was a, a fiddle player. He says, bring your banjo, and we're just going to play old time. I show up for the gig. He played, he got his guitar out and started playing Eagles songs. I didn't know him. I was lost. 
I mean, I'd heard them, but I certainly didn't know the chord progression stuff. I just wasn't into that sort of thing. He said, well, they come up to me at the last minute and said, hey, can you just play some, like, some Eagles or something? And, well, he knew like 20 Eagles tunes, so he started doing it. I didn't know what to do. I was unprepared. Of course, that was, I was kind of tripped up on that one. I just kind of plunked along, did the best I could. Here's the third thing. Get into a circle. This is how you get out. Get in way over your head. In other words, take on something that is completely unrealistic. You know, you've been playing guitar for a couple of years and you pretty hot. You're flat picking that thing and you are pretty good. And then you get called and, you know, Tony Rice needs somebody to back him up or what, you know what I'm saying? You may be in way over your head. That can push you right out, right back out, you know, bounce you out the door. Or, um, you know, I've mentioned before that I was a piano tuner. Tune pianos all around Atlanta. And there was one piano tuning that I turned down. I turned it down for very much this same reason. Now, it, it probably, more than likely, would have went just fine. But I didn't want to risk it. I didn't want to go in and be in over my head. And when I tell you this, you may think, you're an idiot, Brad. You should have done that. Because had I done it, it would have been a nice little feather in my cap. But I was concerned because at that time, I had only been tuning about three years, which is not a long time in the, in, in the scope of piano tuning. It's a lot like learning to play an instrument. If you tell me you've been playing the fiddle for three years, I got a pretty good idea of about how good you are. That's different than 25 years, you know? Of course, there are people that have been playing three years that are better than people that have been playing 40 years. I'm not saying that, but here's what it was. One of my students lived next door in Atlanta to lived next door to a guy who owned a recording studio. That guy sent word through my mandolin student to me because he told him I was a piano tuner that he needed their piano tuned at the studio. And I've tuned multiple pianos at recording studios before that. Never been to that one. I'd never been to that studio. So the guy calls me up and says, I need you to come tune this piano tonight, 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. So what's, what's, what's going on? Elton John is coming in to do a session. So we always tune the piano before he comes in. My other guy can't come. Can he do it? And I said, unfortunately, I can't. Oh, man, bummer. Okay, well, thanks a bunch. Bye. And that was the end of it. So I did not tune Elton John's piano. Because, frankly, I felt like there was a possibility I might be in over my head. How in the world would I know, you know, what his standard of excellence was? probably it probably would have went okay and there's you know there's a point where you have to take on things and you gotta you know face your fears and just go for it and just see how it comes out what's the worst that can happen right well the worst that can happen is you become out and your reputation is harmed so just be a little careful you do i've said this before you need to be in over your head what i'm saying here is you don't want to be way over your head in other words 
be realistic. Don't take on a position, a gig that you, you got a hunch you just not ready for yet. Get ready and then do it. You know, you got to put the, <laughs> I said one time I said, you got to put the cart before the horse. I said that in one of the episodes and when I was listening back to it, I'm like, man, I'm so stupid. You got to put the horse before the cart, you know? So just be careful. Don't get way over your head or you'll be out very quickly. Here's another way to be out. Play bad, play poorly. You know, playing well is the easiest ticket in. It's not the only ticket in. You got to have other requirements, which I've talked about being friendly, being on time, things like that. But if you want to be out, play bad, which in many cases, you might be a pretty good player who just doesn't listen to other people. <laughs> if you're not listening, you're not going to play good. That's all there is to that. But there are other ways you could play badly. You could just get a, a horrible case of nerves and fall apart and play badly and you're going to be out. They're probably not going to call you back. Or they might not even notice. You never know. Here's another way to be out. Be a little hard to get along with. You know, you could be the greatest player in the world that's hard to get hard to deal with and they're going to just move on and find somebody else. Here's another one. If you want to be out, drink or do drugs in excess and you'll be out. You know, if you have to chug three beers before you get up the nerve to even walk in the place, to get up there and play, maybe you need to work on that, you know? You, you know, I'm just saying, drugs and alcohol can mess up an otherwise great musical relationship. People are going to know. They're going to know. And, you know, in the same, the reverse is true, too. You might get the opportunity of a lifetime to play with your heroes and you go there and you realize that they're all just a bunch of crackheads, you know? And you're like, man, I, this ain't what I, I didn't sign up for this. I'm out of here. Well, you just kicked them out of your life, basically. Here's another thing you can do to get on the outs, even if it's just a little jam session or if it's being a member of, you know, Del McCurry's looking for a new bass player and, and you got the gig. Well, here's how you can unget the gig. Complain a lot about pretty much everything you can think of. The more complaining you do, the quicker you'll be out the door. They'll take somebody who plays not as good as you, who doesn't gripe and complain. It doesn't work anyway. Here's another way to get out. Be sure, if you want to get out quickly, ask everyone you encounter to help you with your hopes and dreams. But don't ever lift a finger to help anybody else. Make sure you do that and you'll be out. Anyway, I hope you guys had fun thinking about what it means to be in and what it means to be out and work on being in. Figure out what it is you want to do. You 999 out of a thousand musicians, and I'm one of them too, who isn't at present doing precisely what they 
their ultimate fulfillment has not been achieved, if that's you, and I'm guessing it is, you got to work on becoming in with the right people, situations, opportunities. And you got to make sure that when you found the thing you like, you don't get kicked out. And by the way, last thing, you don't even want to be kicked out of the situations that you don't like. You might get asked to play with a bunch and after a while you realize this is not really, you know, I didn't know we'd be playing, driving all around the country, playing churches every Sunday and I got to wear this suit and, and man, this ain't my scene. I, every song's a gospel tune and hey, maybe that is your thing. I'm just saying, maybe it's not. And you're like, oh man, this ain't for me. Well, you can leave that situation and leave a good taste in their mouth, you know, leave a good memory of you. Don't just start complaining, showing up drunk, showing up late or not showing up at all or deliberately playing badly. So hoping they'll fire you. Don't do it that way. Because if you get kicked out from a band or from a circle or from a jam, word's going to get around about you and you're not going to get many opportunities or invitations back in. So always, you know, don't burn your bridges is what I'm saying. Okay, enough about all this. Thanks for listening. I hope you do enjoy these um, kind of uh, wacky sermons about the whole bluegrass scene. And if you like what I'm doing, help support the show. You can do that by going to bradleylaird.com and purchasing any of my fabulous instructional materials, videos, and eBooks and all that sort of stuff. That's a great way to do it. You can also become a Grass Talk Radio supporter where you just kick in a few bucks or a lot or whatever you want to do. And when I get one of those, which I haven't gotten one in, God, it's been over a month since I even got a $5 one. But when they come in, when I, you know, when I, somebody sends 10 bucks, I'm like, and it says Grass Talk Radio supporter. I'm like, this is good. Okay. I guess I will do next week's episode. Help support the show. That's all I'm saying. And you're helping me, but you're also helping a whole lot of other people that you don't even know. All those, all those people that listen and listen and listen. And there's a bunch of people listening. You're not the only one. So you'll be helping them too. It'd be nice if everybody helped, but you know, hey, I know, I know reality. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Spread out on the ocean far and wide A great ship sailed away with her passengers that day To never, never reach the other side Sailing out with her pain, the Titanic was her name When she had sailed 500 miles from shore Many passengers and her crew went down with that old canoe. They all went down to never ride no more.